0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 3rd of February.
0: And the lockdown in WA, or at least in the Perth and Surrounds area of WA, rolls on. And another donut day yesterday, zero cases, which is great to hear. And there's all sorts of other things happening in parts of Perth where people are being evacuated from bushfires. There's a lot going on for people there. So it's a relief that there's no cases there. But... This person who has, the person who tested positive and triggered the lockdown, the security guard from hotel quarantine, was supposed to have this strain from the UK that's supposedly more contagious. He hasn't passed it on to anyone else yet. And the same thing kind of happened in Brisbane as well, where this person had the UK strain of the virus and no cases seem to eventuate from it, certainly none in the community.
1: The virus is, you know, you potentially spread to more people, Um, so the uh, Wuhan virus or the the the, uh, the version of it that's been circulating which is a slightly modified version of the Wuhan virus will spread on average to 2.5 people this one will spread to an average of maybe 3.4 3.5 people but you've got to be in an environment where that's going to happen and there's still stuff we don't understand about how this happens so there are two or three different variables here going on one is the security guard, while he was positive, may not have been shedding that much virus, in which case there wasn't much virus being spread around the place, even though it was more contagious. The second reason is that um, just by happenstance, the various places that he visited were well ventilated. He wasn't coughing and sneezing. And we remember that a lot of the viral spread is via aerosol in poorly ventilated environments. So it just may be that by happenstance, he didn't actually get into a super-spreading environment. And if I look at the, uh, the list of things, I mean, he's, this guy wasn't going to bars and restaurants. The odd takeaway, supermarkets, service stations, yes, one general practice, so most of the time this person was in places with high ceilings, well ventilated, and it's just quite likely this person just never went to uh, into a super spreading environment, and that's why.
0: Does that mean that really some of the measures, the really broad out, overarching measures that we've been put in place and that we've been just abiding by this past year have really started to make a difference? Like places are better ventilated in general. Takeaway has been more of a thing these days than sitting down in a restaurant. Is maybe this is a societal change that's also reducing the risk of spread?
1: I'd be more likely to say that of uh, New South Wales and Victoria than necessarily other states, which have tended to go back to normal. But yes, I mean there is a degree of social distancing even in Perth prior to this. Um, they had QR codes and and what have you, so people were more aware of it. Older people weren't being you know aren't weren't going out quite as much as younger people. But there was a lot of circulation in Perth. But I think that you know, there is a lot of randomness to this in terms of where people turn up. In Sydney, it was one bottle shop that spread a lot of this. In New South Wales, it was an RSL. And other places like that where people are socialising, talking loudly, I'm talking about the RSL-type environment, whereas this person just might have been a very quiet person, didn't talk very much. And it may well be the person in Queensland was just the same. But you can't take that risk because if this virus got into a super spreading environment, it could really take off.
0: I should say the person in Queensland did pass the virus onto their partner and it's probably still too early to know for sure whether the person in WA has passed it on to anyone else or not, but we do know that so far they've identified 151 close contacts of this security guard and an additional 68 casual contacts and they've all been tested and so far we've seen 104 negative results coming back. So even though those people are going to be continued to be monitored, it's a really – Early, a really positive early warning sign. But even so, Mark McGowan has said he's going to keep the lockdown for the full five days, even if it continues to be zero cases over the next few days.
1: I assume they're quarantining the close contact. So if they come positive, as with the Northern Beaches in Sydney, uh, they will come, become positive while they're being isolated, which is a really good place to be. I mean, and this is all about pru- being prudent and A five-day lockdown is better than chasing your tail for a month or six weeks or even worse if the virus takes off. Because there's no question this virus is more contagious. But the rules about the spread of this virus remain the same.
0: So to answer Maria's question, is coronavirus less infectious than we think?
1: Well, the, the quick answer is no. It's not less infectious than we think. But it's got to be in the right environment to spread and most people don't spread it. And this won't be any different with the new UK variant, or the South African variant, than it is with the other variants. Most people will still not spread it because it still spreads in clusters rather than evenly. And this person and the person in Queensland are just the sort of people, probably, who don't spread it to a lot of people. Yes, the Queensland person, as you say, spread it to their partner, but it was held in check.
0: So as we come closer to a vaccine rollout in Australia, lots of researchers are looking really closely at attitudes towards vaccines in the community. And Norman, you were listening to a researcher talking about this just yesterday.
1: Yes, I attended a seminar at the Kirby Institute and uh, Mallory Trent, who uh, works with Ryan McIntyre at the Kirby Institute, presented research done in various cities around the world about vaccine hesitancy. They did the research last year um, and looked at the, the, at the reasons and the, the rate of vaccine hesitancy. So they found, which was good news, that 70% of people in most cities around the world, particularly Australian cities like Sydney and Melbourne, um, would say, said yes, they were willing to have the vaccine, which meant 30% weren't, but the majority of people were. But when they look, and when they looked at the factors that predicted whether or not somebody was willing to have the vaccine, Age was the most important factor. The older you were, the more willing you were to have the vaccine. And the rate was highest in people over 65. Interestingly, smokers were less willing to have the vaccine. But if you had a chronic disease, like heart disease or diabetes, you were more willing. So smokers and people with chronic disease are more at risk of COVID, serious COVID-19, yet smokers are less willing, which is probably a behavioural thing. If you're willing to kill yourself smoking, then presumably you're, you're not too keen on saving your life with a vaccine. I'm just being pretty nasty here to, to smokers.
0: There is con- There's a real reason for researchers to look at this because we need to know what kind of level of vaccine coverage we're likely to get in the community. But I've also heard people say that when it comes to talking about these figures in the media, there's a risk that you actually normalise vaccine hesitancy for people who might might sort of go, oh, like 30% of people aren't feeling confident. Maybe I shouldn't feel confident as well. Like how should we make sense of these figures?
1: Well, I'll come to that in a second. It's a really important question. I just want to go through a couple of other things that predicted being willing. One was trust in government. So if you trusted and were confident in your government, um, you were more willing. But interestingly, in the United States, if you had more confidence and trust in your government You were less willing to have the vaccine.
0: This is last year.
1: This is last year. That's right. So people who were more likely to trust the US government were Trump supporters and Trump was not particularly bullish about vaccines, so uh, or precautions with uh, there. So it just shows you the influence of government is really important. So coming to that issue, that, which is about behavioral economics, that you we tend to normalize our behavior according to others. So if we say everybody's getting very fat and obese, we think oh that's not that's that's normal. Therefore, well, there's not a problem with us being obese. Where if you actually were to say. You know, sixty percent of people are not obese and they're, they're pretty good shape. Then that's a different way of expressing the story. So you're 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 right in this. But seventy seven out of ten people, you know, a few months ago, were willing to have the vaccine, needs to be updated. But when you actually look at other vaccine research, and Mallory looked beyond this to other vaccine research, particularly influenza and other things, is that really when you get down to it, vaccine hesitancy isn't when you ask people say for example with the influenza vaccine why didn't you have it it's you forgot to have it or it wasn't convenient or just never got round to it it's not actually an active intellectual position it's being slack and i put myself in that in that position you know I, you know some years i don't have my influenza vaccine and, you know and it gets to august i think oh bloody hell i haven't had it why didn't i have it i just didn't get round to it you know i was slack
0: yeah It's slack on some hand and and maybe it's equitable access for some people as well. But it's interesting that you made the point about trusting government because that is uh, one of the factors that when we had Hervé Lemieux from the Lowy Institute on a couple of days ago on Thursday, that he said was one of the factors that predicted a countrywide a really successful response to COVID.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. So this overlaps. I mean, people are concerned about safety, whether it's been rushed through whether there are other ways of you know, taking it. But these are minor reasons for being vaccine hesitant. Vaccine hesitant. It's, most, it's, it's, it's much higher level than that.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for in Coronacast today.
1: If you've got a question and there are lots still coming in and we'll get to more tomorrow, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast and click on Ask a Question and mention Coronacast going through. Feel free to make comments. Lots of you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.